Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? I'm in a good mood. Oh, uh, why is that? I guess because it's the, I don't know, it's the most wonderful time of the year and all that. Fair enough. Um, uh, yeah, the... Uh, Whoop-dee-doo and dickery-dock. Okay, I don't that's know a, that That's a lyric that I hate um, from, I think, uh, the song Happy, Ho- Happy Holidays. Oh, yeah. What Whoop- about chickadee chee ee ah It's Dominic the donkey. <laughs> <laughs> the Italian Christmas donkey. Fair enough. Those are, those are the those are the best and worst Christmas song lyrics of all time. I don't. Yeah. Well, no, the worst. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. It's the worst. It's not only the worst Christmas song ever written. It's just the worst song of all time. I don't actually think that is <laughs> terrible. We've already talked about yeah, it on the yeah. show before. It's fine. Do you have? Let me ask you this, David. Do you have a favorite Christmas song? Yeah, we talked about this last year. What is it? It's the Christmas song. Oh, okay, fair enough. Uh, sometimes referred to as chestnuts roasting on an open fire, because there's the opening line, yeah. but it's called The Christmas Song. I know you haven't introduced me yet. Right. On my website, there's a big list right now of the 11 Christmas songs written by Jews, and that is one of them. Yeah? Yeah. It's not that big of the, a list. That's only 11, but... They know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they really do. And uh, yeah, my you know what? My favorite song for a long time was Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, but that's I think it actually... One. I think it's starting to switch over to... Uh, uh, I'll be home for Christmas, which has quite hmm. possibly the most devastating final lyric of any song ever. Yeah, it's yeah, it's rough. If, if only, only in my dreams. Are, yeah. are you shitting me? Yeah, it's such a nice one. It's like a very nice, heartwarming song, and then turns woefully tragic at the end, <laughs> which of course is everything that I like during um, Christmas time. And then I also like Blue Christmas. That's a good one. Um, yeah, a lot, of, right. a lot of good stuff. Uh, I like anything The Temptations ever did Christmas wise i have a whole bunch of that stuff or i had a whole bunch of that stuff my ipod mm. i wonder if my ipod still works i haven't used it in years I'm looking, well that's the thing once they discontinued the ipod they pushed a button that uh fried the circuitry circuitry of every ipod it's, it's in this bag right here where it has been for at least two years <laughs> I, I yeah i think you could probably look into this so easily. i do have a playlist of temptations christmas songs on that ipod now's the time um you know what song i don't like but, is little drummer boy uh, you know what? You know who else didn't like that song? Who's my that? dad. My dad hated that song. Why did he? I I do kind of. I think hate he it. found the pum 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 really annoying. I hate it so much. I don't like it. If they literally, if they had just replaced that with an actual drum, I'd probably be more on board with it. It's like, I don't like when people say. Oh, sound. you know what it's like? What's that? One 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 of the very few things I told the DJ at my wedding. We had to bring in the guests soon, but we got an ad first. I guess. But one of the first things I told my DJ at my wedding was do not play sweet caroline and it's not because i don't like the song sweet caroline i think it's a great song yeah but when a group of people get together and they sing sweet caroline and he says sweet caroline and everyone makes up this part of the song that isn't isn't even in the song yeah and goes ba 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 and she's like heaven forbid you not be a part of it for three seconds there's not that's not a part of the song (laughs) it's the worst i i it 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 sets my teeth on edge. Yeah. It Which makes, is why you got to try to avoid going to any sporting event ever, especially the Boston Red Sox. Indeed, um, man, I've gone. I went. I've gone really Midwestern lately. That's Bo- okay. I said Bo- Boston. Oh yeah, Boston Red Sox. <laughs> um, so uh, yes, so uh, I'm in a good mood this Christmas. Um, the you know it's my first Christmas as a married man. Yeah, and uh, the wife and I are staying in Los Angeles, which mm-hmm. is you know. Uh, no disrespect to my family. I love my family, but Los Angeles is the best place to spend Christmas. It, it, it's fantastic. It's wonderful. Uh, uh, okay. I, I don't necessarily agree, but in some cases I absolutely agree. 
I prefer colder weather, and it is colder here, but I, I think I like I like the snow. Okay. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, David, but okay. that n- dream never comes true. I was in Idaho for Thanksgiving, had my white, had my snow okay, for the fair year. Enough. Uh, but when it comes to traffic yeah. and getting around the city and getting where you need to go in a timely manner, oh, Christmas is the best, Los Angeles is the best time. It really is. And um, yeah, the even though this is our first uh, Merry Christmas, we're sticking with our Christmas tradition whenever the missus and I are uh, in Los Angeles, we go to a movie and then we go to a bar. Yeah. And people who are people, I don't know if this is Los Angeles specific. I would guess anywhere. People who are at a bar on Christmas are usually a lot of fun. It's a fun place to be. Fair enough. It has this, you have, it's almost like the, it's usually not very sparsely populated a bar mm-hmm. at like three thirty four in the afternoon on Christmas day. Yeah. Uh, but you feel welcomed. Like you feel like people participate in one of those conversations because like, you're all there to get you're, you're lonely that. too yeah exactly <laughs> estranged from your family as well come along yeah um so i yeah i'm in a good mood looking forward to this christmas very absolutely very exciting we should uh take care of uh, some ads absolutely all right here here we go everybody uh this episode is sponsored by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent international and classic films Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $4.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. There are a lot of great movies available right now, including Silver Bullets and The Zone, two films directed by Joe Swanberg. uh, Tyrannosaur, pardon me. I don't know why I say Tyrannosaur. Tyrannosaur Tyrannosaurus. Pajama or pajama. Fair enough. Yeah. I think I want to go with the... Okay. Tyrannosaur. That's what I'm going to say. Tyrannosaur directed by uh, actor Patty Considine, which I I never saw it. I heard it was wonderful, and I'm a yeah. big fan of Eddie Marson. Um, you Ain't Seen Nothing Yet, directed by... Now, I never quite remembered how to say his name. Uh, Al- Alain René? Sounds great. That sounds good. Sound That's Frenchy. Yeah. Um, and then the, the the entire Paradise trilogy, Love, Faith, and Hope. Oh, yeah. Directed by Ulrich Seidel. Uh, and so that's just a few, and there are many more. Uh, and so you can find that at Mubi.com. Uh, and there's actually a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try Mubi free for a month. Just go to Mubi.com. That's M-U-B-I dot com slash Battleship to redeem now. Oh, is that it? That is it. Okay. Well, why don't you bring on our guest? Okay, I guess. All right. So uh, this has been a long time coming. Absolutely. Uh, the, every time we would see this gentleman, I would say, why haven't we had you on the show? And then he would say, because you've not asked me. And then i say, right, note to self. And then I would uh, immediately forget. But yeah, so uh, he is the host of 11 Points Countdown, but also just, uh, just the all-purpose 11 Points guy. The website, I believe there's a book. There Correct. is a book. And so uh, it's uh, Sam Greenspan. Sam. Hey. How you doing? Great to be here finally. You guys have been on my show six, seven times at this point. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad to finally get the call up here to the Valley to do this. But you know what? First off, I don't like the disdain in your voice. But secondly, <laughs> um, I... Uh, yeah, last time I saw you to be on your show, I had to drive to Long Beach oh, no. and Look, sit in a room no that one, was no about one's doing shows in convenient locations, all right? That's, that's not what we do. Even Mark Maron does it in his garage, right. you know? And that's far, too. Uh, it's like Echo Park, right? No one lives close to that. 
But yeah, and that's the thing is, uh, in fairness, one episode of Battleship Pretension probably equals about six or seven episodes <laughs> of 11 Points Countdown. Not, not true. Well, in terms of time, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We'll be here for probably 90 minutes or so, whereas those we try to get, you know, we go about 10 maybe. So yeah. I think we'll beat that total time right now. I will I will echo, uh, look, if I can complain about your show for one moment. Go ahead. Uh, it's that it should be uh, uh, super long. I, my vote is don't cut anything out. <laughs> Because uh, we, rec- we we record for probably about 15 to 20 minutes per episode. That gets cut down. But you know what? That's the thing. Having been there, all three of us are throwing gold out there. I agree. It's <laughs> it's that terrible – That's it's that delicate YouTube balance yeah. where that big number for the time can be so prohibitive yeah. to, to the casual uh, viewer. Including me. That's yeah. why I, I'm glad – I'm happy with you cutting those down because I know that if I'm s- surfing the net – and I see a video that's like <laughs> you could just sound more like a dad in 1998. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I see real, a video, and your real player pops up to play you that video. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, if it's too long, I'm not. I'm, I'm yeah, on. it's tough. I, I mean, it's it's the never-ending issue with YouTube videos is how long to make them. Whereas these podcasts, you know, we can go because people are listening to this as they're walking, driving, the gym, driving. driving. That's yeah. when I listen. That's why I do all my podcasts listening. So. Go forever. Walking so. the dog. Oh, walking the dog is my number one podcast time. You mean like when you're practicing with your yo-yo and stuff? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's the thing is for somebody like myself who uh, I work from home and I work, I'm a photo editor. So I just, everything I'm doing is purely visual with no required audio. I'm not reading anything. I'm not, every, I'm just occupying my eyes. So I, anything that I can listen to. And so I, I actually listen to a lot of uh, YouTube film criticism and stuff like Nostalgia Critic and Red Letter Media and that sort of thing. And when I see that, oh, their latest thing, oh, 55 minutes. All right. I know, it's like, I know what I'm doing for the next 55 minutes, as opposed to when someone's like, oh, we released this thing. It's 15 minutes. Like, 15 minutes. I can barely get like eight photos done. In but I think that's right. I think that there is no middle ground for YouTube videos. You're either putting something up there like and someone's going to, you know, as they say, the lean back, you're going to watch it for yeah. or listen in your case for a long time or you want to get in and out of there in five minutes yeah. or less. I just right. don't think there's a middle ground for YouTube videos still. We haven't found it. I think I think only not that it was purely YouTube, but I uh, it is it is noted that uh, if you something like Too Many Cooks, which I love, I think it's one of the best bits of filmmaking all year long. <laughs> if it was possible to put it on my top ten, I probably I don't would. see any reason why you can't. Um, but that's not, it's eleven minutes long, and so and I saw it, you know, it was trending everywhere, and so I was like, oh, I'll give it a try. And when I saw it was eleven minutes, I I did have this thought like, oh, can I sit here for eleven minutes? It's only 11 minutes, but there's if it were five minutes, there'd be no question. And if it were longer, mentally, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to lean back. I'm going to enjoy it. But somehow at 11 minutes, I was debating whether or not I could actually uh, watch this thing. Little did I know that I would watch it and then immediately watch it again. Um, so yeah, I haven't watched it a second time. It's, uh, it, my brain has not, has not recovered from the first enough. one. Um, <coughs> before we get to know Sam, All right. I like that this is turning into a new segment on the podcast – Listener correspondence. Oh, indeed, yes. Because people are sending us letters, and you can find our P.O. box at on the website. You go to uh, About Us. Is that how you find it? Yes. Um, uh, people are sending us letters, and they're also sending us thing, <coughs> things, you know, presents. It's that time of year. Um, and, I mean, any time of year is a good time to send presents to Battleship Retention. That's, that's how that song goes. What's... <coughs> 
You all right? Sorry, I've got something going on in my lungs. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to read. I'll step away from the mic for a minute. You keep reading. Okay. Um, this is the. Uh, this is very. This is very upsetting. <laughs> I feel like we should. Should we have the balance is so thrown off? I know. At this table now. But I feel like we should be. Should we be ready to call nine one one? I'll I'll dial nine and one, and okay. then you let me know if I should hit the last one. You got my arms going. <laughs> okay. So uh, first correspondence now. This person did not put any identifying information. No return address. They didn't sign it. But it's written on, as you can see, Calgary Flames letter. Oh, okay. So I could I could surmise that this is a someone in Calgary, maybe a Calgary Flames fan. Fair enough. But I would like to surmise this is a part of the Calgary Flames organization. Oh. Specifically, I'm going to assume... Is it a sponsorship? Is, I'm going to assume this is Czechoslovakian center Yuri Hoodler. Oh. I'm going to say this came from Yuri Hoodler. Um, it says, more commentaries. Maybe from a genre that isn't Lord of the Rings. I don't like the Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, or the Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. I do like the Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, but have seen that enough. This is handwritten? Yeah, really want to hear that BP magic, just not about the Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, or the Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Cool, thanks. That is either maybe one of the most beautiful art pieces I've ever heard. It's wonderful. Or maybe it, maybe you're right. It is this, uh, what's his name again? Uh, Yuri Hoodler. Okay. I could see that being a letter written by somebody right. for whom English is not their first language. I like that they paid international postage <laughs> to send that to you from Canada. <laughs> yeah. That is outstanding commitment. So you guys um, will probably take that to heart if I had to guess. Oh, absolutely. Now, um, someone else. Um, what the hell is all that? Again, no... No identifying information. This is this is beginning beginning to be a thing. Um, little drawing of a woman saying, "Don't worry, they're just temporary tattoos." And we have a whole lot of temporary tattoos that I think are Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle related. Uh, I think. Oh my! That no, it's not Transformers. That looks like Transformers. Oh, maybe that's to me. Transformers. Okay, I don't know the yeah. names. Um, Those look like Decepticon decals to me. Okay, so we have temporary tattoos. More than we could ever possibly use. Oh, we do have one Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one. That's what I oh, was okay. thinking. They were all Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, so, obviously, um, we've got our uh, party favor, so give one to Sam. Yeah. You, want, you um, don't want to keep all of them and have a sleeve tattoo, tattoo of just <laughs> no. temporary and here's one Transformers for your 4. Dog. Yeah, is that my wife? She, she's, oh, yeah. Here's one for your wife. All right. All right. You, your, wife, your whole family has temporary right. tattoos now, and we still have more left than we could ever possibly use. Um, I guess this is what happens when you say, send us anything, is people send us anything, including, I would venture to assume, their own garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which. Oh, good. All right. You remember the guy a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Um, and I said, he, he threatened, I mean, he told me he was not going to listen anymore in his two and a half page handwritten mm. letter. All right. He's still listening, and he has decided to apologize slash clarify in a four page, no, I'm sorry, a five page handwritten letter. He doubled his length, still handwritten. He clarified that his name is Benj, not Benji. Benj. Yeah. Don't care for that. Um, <laughs> and again, I'm not going to um, read it because it's five pages long and also because he didn't want me to read uh, the last one. Okay. But um, he has clearly calmed down a little bit. Oh, good. I mean, I would say based on the where this letter goes, he might have used a few drinks to calm down. Fair enough. Um, but still very funny. I... Uh, 
Does the handwriting I, by page three start to get really? It really... does change. But uh, I'll say the one thing I left at, he was apologizing for something he said in the last handwritten letter. And he yeah. said, I can't remember exactly what I said. You have my only copy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess that's true. Yeah, I like this guy, this Benj. Yeah. Um, I, I'm glad he's still listening. I so hope this, I didn't piss him off too much. But there is something now, I want to talk about. In the clarification, because okay. he he seemed to have a problem with uh, you, obviously, not me. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, the issue that he seemed to have was um, something about you, the way you were maybe a bit dismissive. Smug and dismissive. Smug and dismissive about Christopher Nolan. Yes, Interstellar um, in particular and Christopher Nolan in right. general. And so uh, as he clarified, did it have to do with that? Did he say... He still uh, thinks I've, I was smug and dis- dismissive. Oh, okay. but, but he, he came around and said... Right. He didn't like the tone, but he thought you were completely right. There's something I want to bring up that he brought up. Okay. He Sam, took, feel free to weigh in. Yeah, he took back yeah. most of the things he said. Oh, okay. But he does want us to explain why we think Looney Tunes Back in Action is not only a good, but a great movie. He's watched it. He doesn't get it. Hey, Sam, have you seen Looney Tunes Back I've in Action? I've not seen Looney Tunes Back in it's Action. It's fantastic. What, what, when is that from? 2003? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Haven't seen it. Yeah, the story is... I'm a uh, big Looney Tunes guy. Well, you got to see this one. This style, one's... Big fan of that style of animation, that era of animation. Well, this is a live-action animation mix. Okay. Mm-hmm. Brennan Fraser plays a Warner Brothers security guard who is also secretly the son of one of Warner Brothers' biggest star actors, played by Timothy Dalton. Is that right, Timothy Dalton? I think it's Timothy mm. Dalton. Is that who it is? I think so. Um, and he's a, But he's a security guard, and it's, you know, the cartoon characters are real like who framed Roger robert style and brennan fraser and daffy duck get fired at the same time on the same day and uh they sort of team up at the same time jenna elfman who plays a warner brothers exec and bugs bunny one of their bigger stars they team up and it turns into a like globetrotting spy type movie um, yeah, that sounds like i would really enjoy yeah that, steve actually. martin <laughs> is the bad guy uh ron perlman is in it uh, Joan Cusack has a brief but very funny uh, scene. Uh, it's a fantastic movie, but we can't. Apparently, we can't just sit here and say it's fantastic and recommend people watch it. We need to talk about why we like it. Okay. The the reasons uh, I'll boil it down. I'll I'll speak probably pretty broadly because I haven't seen it in a while. But uh, the things that I remember really liking about it is that a it captures the sp- actually both of them fall under this banner. Um, it captures the spirit of Looney Tunes. Yeah. Which is very meta. Looney Tunes has always been very meta. Let's say postmodern. Postmodern is a good way of putting it. And so, uh, and this is absolutely that. I mean, you said it's like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's very much like that. Mm-hmm. These are these are actors. These are performers. They have egos. They have. They're very aware <laughs> of the business. Um, and so, I think that works really well. And the way they interact with executives, with the security guard, and, and stuff like that, uh, I think really. I think it's there's a very adult sensibility to that. I think yeah. kids might find it uh, funny, but I'm not sure if they would absolutely if they would really get it to the extent that we would. But lest we think that it's only for adults, there's also I think kind of a manic, crazy energy that totally fits with Joe Dante. Not not all not throughout, but when it gets going, I feel like there's a real heightened energy that I think if you watch the old Looney Tunes and especially the old Daffy Duck cartoons. It was crazy. It was all over the place. It was insane. It, yeah. One could say it's a bit daffy. Yeah, and uh, and so yeah. I like how much it captured the spirit of Looney and Tunes. That that meta comedy you're talking about is not just it's not mere self awareness. It also has it has targets. Um, it's aimed at 
um, the, 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 the sort of, um, I would say the, the, the thing that Looney Tunes back in action is lampooning more than anything is the idea that movies, which are works of entertainment and art mm-hmm. are made by corporations who treat them as product. Yes. Um, that's mostly what the jokes are about. There's this very specific joke when the characters are lost in the Nevada desert and they come over a sand dune mm-hmm. and to see a Walmart parking lot at all, a parking lot at all in the middle of the desert. <laughs> and Bugs Bunny says, is it a mirage or just more product placement? <laughs> um, now that's the nature. That's, that's the sort of, uh, tenor of the jokes. Yeah. Um, in Looney Tunes back in action. Yeah. And so I feel like there's a lot to enjoy mm-hmm. and I, I think the jokes are genuinely funny and, and I don't think the, I don't think the manic energy is at odds with the meta, commentary i think if you are if right. you're familiar with looney tunes i right. think you will you'll get it it also has a scene in which the characters go to the louvre and are jumping bugs Bunny and daffy duck are jumping in and out of paintings mm. and the style of the film and the animation takes on the style of whatever painting they're in i mean which is like they're buster keaton-esque <laughs> by the way and but there are things that you literally literally cinema is the only venue in which you could have done that uh, and I, uh, so I think Looney Tunes back in action is a paragon of cinema and, um, one of my favorite films of the two thousands. And if you listen to Jim Rohner's, I do movies badly podcast mm. this month, he is watching Joe Dante movies recommended by me and he will, uh, I recommended them chronologically. So he will be culminating, ending the series with Looney Tunes back in action. What is your recommend? Um, well, he told me beforehand, he'd already seen the howling. Wasn't going to recommend that. Okay. It's kind of boring um and he'd already seen both the gremlins movies okay so instead of recommending um what i was going to do the burbs matinee and gremlins 2 okay i did the burbs matinee and looney tunes back in action okay i was just making sure the matinee was in there yes um because i because i love it as as you do um yeah sorry we've completely shut you down all good <laughs> i'm 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 am now very excited about looney tunes back in action i was trying to you know make sure you weren't going to give any spoilers that were going to ruin the movie for me but i think i don't you think you shied away from those <laughs> yeah. and uh we're pretty canny all the unpredictable kind of plot twists will still be fresh yeah. to me when i watch this now 11 year old movie yeah. for the first time please please paragon of cinema right this, right this, <laughs> this 11 year old paragon of cinema this film and i didn't even spoil my favorite joke in the movie which i will Great. leave to well wonderful uh, viewers to discover um so sam let's get to know you all right where are you from I'm originally from the Cleveland, Ohio area. Okay. I came out here uh, back in 2001. Wow. Been here ever since. And uh, very happy still in this town. Married. Dogs. Jobs. Oh, more than one dog? Yeah, two dogs. Sounds like you need another... Another uh, temporary tattoo. tattoo. Hold on. Uh, I thought you had Thank just you. the one dog. I'm Thank sorry. you so much. No, no, no. Uh, we're a, we're a, two dog, a two dog household. Now you've got a really, a really great like holiday card. All of you just bearing your <laughs> Transformers <laughs> tattoos. Um, so okay. Well, no, tell me about growing up in Cleveland. What's that like? Well, uh, did you see um, Harvey P. Carr around? Uh, not, not often. Okay. Um, I liked it quite a bit. You know, I was in the suburbs. Most of the people you'll meet who say they're from Cleveland grew up in the suburbs it's same, one of those kind of from st louis in the same right, way one of those kind of yeah. one of those kind of towns but had a very lovely 
suburban childhood down into Cleveland every once in a while. I was there when Cleveland was peaking in the 90s. We had a little bit of a... The Drew Carey a, show? There was, there was the Drew Carey show, and then they opened the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right. and they opened a new baseball stadium, coinciding with the Indians actually being good. Right. And so there was a little bit of momentum around Cleveland, and then I left, and it sort of faded. Co- but, then, that, coincidentally, but then LeBron came along. And then, right, then LeBron came, and that... You know, got a little energy, so and then he Le- left. LeBron and now he's kind of, back, and LeBron kind of replaced you. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah. There was a little bit of a gap in between there, but, but more or less, one of the two of us was holding down Cleveland <laughs> for the past thirty some years. When you say gap, I think what you mean is void. Yeah, there was a void. Something <laughs> there was something missing from yeah. the town. So um, uh, you you were talking about uh, the Cleveland Indians. Now I don't follow sports. I follow it a little bit. Anytime it tends to coincide with something political. So are the Indians? Are they? Cha- they're not changing. Their they name, are not right? changing. Like they the Redskins have, are. They have, however, well, or well, the Redskins. Dan are, Snyder says they're the they Redskins are not. getting the most heat because right. that is that is the most blatant slur of the names. Yeah. The Indians have that logo that was sort of the, the Chief caricature, Wahoo? right? Smiling Chief. Now they've yeah. all but phased that out at this yeah. point. So they've replaced that. It's still on the sleeves of the jerseys, but they don't wear the hats with that anymore. So they've really over really worked on fading that out. However, I have not heard any talk of them changing the name from the Indians. It's so interesting. When I was a, a kid, uh, you know, I didn't like sports then either, but I always liked the logo for the Indians. And it, it did. And I didn't know that the logo had it, that the character had a name. I don't think it even really registered me, obviously, because the Cleveland Indians, I saw that it was an Indian. But I don't think it even registered to me that, like, this is apparently how all Indians look. I just liked the way he looked. Um, and I and I thought he was uh, very lovable. As it turns <laughs> yes. out, I was uh, racist. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, there was some. There was definitely some momentum. The Indians played the Atlanta Braves in the 1995 World Series, oh and that brought out some protests. Uh, as you sure. as as they well, will. The Braves but, fan do that, and they the do Braves that dumb also had they also and they also had a caricature logo for a while, which mm. they've also phased out. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know that they'll change. Um, do you know? Do, do you know if uh, like the? Um, I know the Florida State Seminoles. Um, they work closely with the Seminole yes. population and charities and stuff like that. Does does do the Indians do anything? As far like that? as I know, they do not. Okay, uh, I'm not even sure there are any Native Americans in Ohio. There must be. It's I, a Native American name, right? Ohio. Is it? I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know be. the etymology of Ohio, but um, okay. well, I, we'll I, I, I'm fairly sure they do absolutely no work with any Native Americans. Except, then again, when the Redskins do it, it becomes this. It, it's even more offensive the way that yeah. that they sort of try to reach out to the community. So the Indians are just sort of they just they're just sort of existing with this name and still on this in this space where. They're pulling off this name. Will all of these be gone in 20 years? You know, they may all change by then. But this conversation uh, reminds me of something. Well, real quick, Ohio okay. comes from the Iroquois uh, word for good river. Okay. Oh. Okay. Good, all right. <laughs> good trivia. Bit. Cleveland comes from the, uh, the founder of Cleveland, Moses Cleveland. However, his last name is spelled differently than the city for some reason. Weird. There's I would have thought it was just like extra A toward the beginning of it. Huh. It's like Cleveland, like a cleaver. And I, but I would have thought it was just like a guy named Cleve. And they yeah. named it like no. Cleveland. <laughs> he was actually Cleveland, right. Ah, uh, you're entering Cleveland here. <laughs> Welcome. Um, so, uh, 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, yesterday, I went to Disneyland with my wife, as we do uh, once a month. And is that all? Yeah. Are you, are you the big like time pass holders? You have the, the most elite of Disneyland passes? No. When you live in California, you can have the absolute cheapest one and everything will be fine. Okay. Just um, I don't go around holidays or during the summer, but why would I, why would I want to? Like, super, <laughs> super busy. I agree with that, but I know some people who have the super elite pass for so they can go on Christmas Day with the throngs of people there. I guess. But, but Tyler and his on... wife both have jobs that allow them a lot of flexibility during right, the week. Yeah. So you go during so you go on a Wednesday. On a Wednesday, for example. You pop down to yeah. Disneyland. Yeah. Now, yeah, well you I did go on Christmas Eve once. Yes. It was a blast. And was it super busy? It wasn't super it wasn't dead. Okay. Uh, but no, it wasn't super busy. Okay. But uh, yeah, it was a good time. So we were uh, so we were uh, walking past Splash Mountain, which I don't particularly enjoy Riding because I don't like walking around wet, um, like a psychopath. Yeah, it's, Splash Mountain's my favorite. Oh, you're crazy. That is a big uh, 30s change for me. This, <laughs> this, this is formerly loving things like Splash Mountain. Now would not go on that for any amount of money. But now we have, have a full day at Disneyland. We have computers in our pockets. That's a big thing now. Yeah, like, exactly. that is a big change. Yeah. But yeah. it's more of the soaking wet pants. Oh, absolutely. And just being like, oh, I'm wearing jeans and now they feel like they're, you know, 20 pounds. Uh, But yeah, so, um, but it did get me thinking about, and just walking past it, you know, you hear, you hear uh, songs from Song of the South, you know, Zippity-Doo-Dah and all that. And uh, you walk into um, the gift shop near there and they've got photos of, not photos, but they got pictures like Br'er Rabbit and all that. And you come to realize that, uh, that wow, and I mean, just there's an entire section of Disneyland that is branded for Br'er Rabbit and Song of the South, and I was just realized, and I thought like, okay, that film has not been available in any form for decades. For decades, yeah. Like Disney is trying to is trying to bury it, and I I think that's kind of a bummer. While I recognize there are parts of it that are, that are offensive, part of me just feels like, yeah, but the Br'er Rabbit part, I mean, that's I've a, never seen the movie, so I don't. I, and I mean, not since I was a kid. And yeah, I, think I saw it as a kid. I yeah. But the Br'er Rabbit is, as I recall, it's just Uncle Remus telling the story of Br'er Rabbit, and then there's the animated parts of Br'er Rabbit, And I feel like you could probably take the animated part, maybe, I don't like saying this, if if they're really concerned about it, you could redo the voiceover, um, and release that in its own way, and because, like, that is a part of Disney history, but whatever. Um, But the thing that gets me is that it does seem like Maybe because it's part of a well-known Disney classic. You watch Peter Pan. You watch how they treat the Indians. Oh right, it's rough. And and it's and I even I'm even willing to like cut them the slack of you know it was the time. Even cutting them that level of slack, just you listen to the chief and him saying how and all that and just the way that they talk and just like Ugh. and then their song what makes the red man red and just be like and I'm like loosening my collar like oh, geez, <laughs> this is a little rough um and that's the thing is I, I i i feel like if this were a if peter pan were a different type of film if it were not just a narrative and it were just a collection of stories or if the, if that section was in a collection of stories i feel like that film would be gone now but because it's peter pan i think they're keeping it around all right, you're, that's you're staking your bet that they're not going to take Peter Pan away from us. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing. I don't think so. But I mean, these days when I think there's a lot of cultural sensitivity towards Native Americans, 
I think people would look at that and say that's offensive, but because Disney can stand to make a fair amount of oh, money see, yeah. off of Peter Pan and, and certainly Tinkerbell these days, I feel like they are like I, they, I, they say that they don't like they don't want to offend anybody, but I think they weigh that out to like how much and money I think, would we lose. I, I'm on the side that Song of the South should be released as is, with maybe a, a warning or some sort. Like, I, like I think so what too. Looney Tunes did on the laser discs. Sorry, what Warner Brothers did on the Looney Tunes laser discs, which was they had I can't remember it was like Whoopi Goldberg or someone introduce mm. the uh, the like World War Two stuff, oh, yeah. which is I don't know if you've seen any of that stuff. Yeah, that is also it's jaw dropping. Yeah, um, but they recognized that it was culturally important and then released it. But then I don't know if they caught some flack for that or what because I don't think the DVD the Golden Collections whatever they're called um, the those DVD box sets don't have those as far as I know. Um, but I, mean, I think there's Birth a difference the between still being released. Yeah, Birth that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Trust people to understand historical context and that it might actually, it might actually create more conversation. Whereas the Washington, the team, the football team in Washington being called the Redskins, like currently, yeah, that's different. Like that, that, that should change. It's not artistic and, expression uh, <laughs> being called the Redskins. Right. Yeah. But also it's now, you know, yeah. it's like, we're not going to wipe from history like it's 1984, um, the novel, not the year, um, that the team was ever called the Redskins. Yeah. It's okay that that's a part of our history, yeah. you know, just like, I don't know, you know, we just, we're having a conversation right now about the post 9-11 torture uh, tactics. And I think as shameful as I think a lot of that stuff is for a lot of Americans, I think the conversation is good. And it's also good to trust people to understand. Yeah the context of the time that it happened. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think uh, I look forward to the song of the South Blu-ray next Christmas. <laughs> I don't know. Pretty deep in that Disney vault. They keep talking yeah. about. <laughs> well, and I do think that, that at this point they've done such a, such a good job of, of distancing themselves from it and, and downplaying, uh, the iconic characters like Rare Rabbit, I mean, to the point where really the only remnant of Song of the South is Splash Mountain. And even then, you don't have – I don't think you have kids saying like, oh, who's that? I just – I don't think they care. I think they ride the ride and they enjoy themselves and that's the end of it. Um, they're not clamoring for right, like right. The, for the context or anything <laughs> like that. But anyway, I'm sorry. That was just something that I was thinking about, especially in, given so, a lot question, of conversations. More, are, is Disney more ashamed of Song of the South or Treasure Planet. <laughs> Are you about to defend Treasure Planet? Uh, I saw it once. I don't remember probably it very well. Not. <laughs> okay. uh, you know what? My instinct was to defend it, and then I realized I was I was thinking of Titan A.E., uh, which is a different film. <laughs> no, yeah, that's... I saw both. I don't remember them either one very well. Titan A.E. is not bad. You know what one I liked that doesn't get talked about that much? What's that? Is Atlantis. That's not Disney bad. movie. Was that Disney? Yeah. yeah. Huh. The Lost Empire, I think. And rated PG, not oh, G, PG. Out. Because a lot of a lot of action. One for some reason. It seems like it would be, um, <laughs> because it's so non-essential. Um, yeah, but it's fine. Yeah, but I remember liking it. I think from an action standpoint. Yeah, um, I, I'm a huge uh, 
Mr. Toad guy. When oh, yeah. I was growing up, we would watch the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad yeah. a lot. So I'm thrilled that Disneyland is staying strong and did not cave like Disney World did. They are sticking with Mr. Toad at what Disneyland. Did, what did Disney World do? They got rid of their Mr. Toad ride and replaced Why? it with some hot young stud. I don't know. So whatever. <laughs> frozen or something? <laughs> I'm sure it's frozen now. Just some I, scantily clad guy that's yeah, frozen? Whatever. Oh, man. They replaced it with, you know, they have so much, because they have all the Pixar stuff to pick from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Disney World got rid of Mr. Toad a few years back, but Disneyland is holding strong with Mr. Toad, and I'm it's, very happy It's a fairly about that. popular ride. I, I enjoy riding it because at the end of it, you go to hell. Yeah. Right, which they don't have in Disney's Mr. Toad movie. No, they do they not. Don't. They eliminate him. You just see him sink to the bottom of the ocean, and then he's fine. They yeah. So... That is huh. an uh, that is a ride only tweak to yeah. the Mr. Toad story. To the wind, <laughs> they, I mean, to the Wind in the Willows story, but yeah, Disney's yeah. Mr. Toad. I love that part of the park, Fantasyland, mm-hmm. because if you go in there and you look around, you think, "Oh, this is for kids." But there's an agreement among everyone at Disneyland that this is not for kids only. We're all going to have a good time here, and no one judges anyone for any of it. And if you ride any of those except for Peter Pan, you're going to be horribly disturbed. <laughs> Children will cry when they go to Pleasure <laughs> Island or when uh, Monstro jumps out at them or the torture chamber in Snow White or the psychedelic uh, insanity of Alice in Wonderland. That's a good and one. Winnie the Pooh, where you go into the heffalumps and woozle yeah, sequence. Yeah. It's 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 crazy. And it's Peter crazy. Pan is torturous in that there's always a two hour wait to get on that ride at all times for the past 10 years that I've been going to that Disney to Disneyland on and, and I, off always a line and I don't get it I, and people say like because oh, you're hanging like, instead of riding who gives a shit like I mean it's <laughs> I don't know I love it it's it's like it's really creaky and crank crankily but you get to look down in this whole model it's so cool I do like that that's fine but I think also just for a ride like that for any of those rides to wait longer than 15 minutes and even that seems excessive to me because, like, these rides are done in maybe 45 seconds to a minute. And it's just like, I don't know. It just, uh, like, there's never a wait for Snow White or Winnie the Pooh or um, or Pinocchio, uh, Pinocchio never has one. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Toad, there's a bit of a wait. Alice, there's more of a wait. And then Pinocchio, uh, and then uh, Peter Pan, that one's the, the longest wait. And I just feel like, even though I, I like those models, that's neat. I just feel like oh, I just I wish there was a fast pass for it. I'd be willing to do that. No, I I, I dislike the fast pass on principle. <laughs> Who dislikes the fast pass? <laughs> just on principle. What what principle is that? That it favors people who can afford it. No, no, no. no, no fast pass is included. No, no. You're fast thinking of hiring a handicapped person to walk you. I think I'm thinking of. Uh, you're, thinking of you think, you're thinking of Universal Studios. I am thinking of yeah, pass. That's what I'm thinking of. Um, fast pass. And also, whatever they're they're out to make money. It's fine. I'm 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 in favor of it. Uh, I, as, as someone who was one of four kids in a you know middle class family, we didn't like we didn't get to go to Six Flags very often. And Six Flags is a lot cheaper than Disneyland. Um, and so, like to go like to and when we did go to Six Flags, we brought a cooler with yeah. our lunch. We went the whole day. We got our hand stamped and went out to the parking lot and had a picnic in the parking lot. That's nice. Because, well, yeah, it is nice, I guess. But it's because we couldn't afford. Yeah. Like, theme parks are so expensive. And every additional charge at a theme park. And you're right. I guess I was thinking of the universal thing. Yeah. Um, it chaps my ass. I don't like it. I just feel like, you know, it's fine. You know, you know what the 
what I've discovered is the beauty of the uh, the single rider option. Oh, Universal? Uh, I don't know if it's a Universal. Disney but they has have that, right? Not for every ride, but for a lot no. of the, the U- big rides. Universal in Florida, at least, in Orlando. Yeah, I do that constantly. It's great. It's that the, like That's kind of a nice compromise where it's like, it's not ideal. You can still go as a group. You'll probably be in the same car anyway. Um, but at the very least, you'll be getting on within three or four minutes of each other. So yeah. it's no problem. Yeah. It's an issue if you have kids, if you have like sure, sure. little kids. But anyway, um, no, the, uh, the Fast Pass at Disneyland is just you go and just insert your ticket and you get a fast pass and says come back at this time i've never done that really i don't know i've never heard of that it's, oh my friend you it, and i i think it's i just probably didn't the know biggest innovation at amusement parks of the past decade yeah i mean it's it's the biggest game changer that there's been so why why isn't there one for peter pan then because i think i think they they have it for probably their big ticket like the biggest ticket rides that have the longest lines and i think but they don't have it for all of them. They don't have it for Matterhorn. They don't have it for Peter Pan. And I think because they need some of the lines to be long. Oh. Um, you can't just have everybody getting a fast pass. The idea of it is come back in an hour or two. And in the meantime, you can't get another fast pass. So you have to stand in some lines. Oh, this is very complex. But while you're doing that. <laughs> You will be able to walk on to okay. Indiana Jones yeah. or something like that. Okay. It's great. Highly, um, highly worthwhile. It requires a lot of strategy, which I love. So, Sam. Yes. Sorry, Sam. Tell us about 11 Points Countdown. All right. And well, how that started. I started my website, 11 Points, back in 2008. I wanted to do a blog, and I decided I was going to do one that was all 11 item lists. Mm-hmm. Now, this was back before there was a buzzfeed or, or any, okay. bef- this, this was before lists were the thing they are today. Right. Uh, but I, I decided to do lists. I thought it would be a good, you know, sort of Trojan horse packaging for my writing to get people to actually read it. Uh, about a year in the site started doing pretty well and I started getting some good, some good stuff happening from it. I got the book and then I teamed up with the website, my damn channel and to start producing this web series a few years ago. And now we do basically a talking version of 11 points where we have guests on, we have people vote on different topics. And then I talk with the guests, you guys, and I have done several movie episodes and, uh, yeah, the show, the show does the show does pretty well, and the site's still continuing to do well, even in the face of those, uh, you know, the monster list sites. Fortunately, I got in there early enough that I'm fairly entrenched uh-huh. with an audience and in Google results, so that I'm able to still maintain a good amount of readership, even though the concept you know now when i come up with an idea and i'll google to see if anyone else has done it and a uh-huh. dozen people have already done it at this right. point so it's a different game now in the blog world but i got in early enough that it's still holding strong uh what do you remember what the first list was my first list was 11 things i something like 11 things i learned about blogging because when i first when blogs first happened when people were on blogger i don't know if you remember this uh-huh. era like 2000 ish right i started just like a stupid like hey my blog about me and i did it and I, <laughs> I did it when i moved out to los angeles it was when i was moving out to los angeles and i was trying to get in and, and do stand-up comedy and so i was writing about my experiences doing stand-up comedy and eventually i sort of gave up on it like most people do so when i decided to do a new blog my first thing was here's what i learned in my last one and here's what i'm going to do differently in this one 
Um, I remember a friend of mine wanted to start a blog where people would submit samples from blogger accounts that they had abandoned. Oh, God. It, it would, and he wanted to call it Dead Blogger Storage, <laughs> uh, which is a Pulp Fiction reference. Yeah. Um, yeah that's pretty good. Anyway, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, you know what? Real quick, I want to tell uh, you, Sam, and you, the listeners, about tweakedaudio.com. What about me? Um, you already know about it. Fair enough. You and I are tweakedaudio.com. Uh, what's what I'm looking for? Patrons. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, we use their their products. They make uh earbuds, professional quality earbuds, in a variety of stylish styles, stylish styles and colorful colors. Uh, and you can find them at their low low price at tweakedaudio.com. And if you go to tweakedaudio.com/slash/pretension, you get that low low price, one third off, no shipping charges. So. If you want uh, earbuds that sound great and make you look cool, you go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. You have something to say? Uh, it was just about tweaked. It's fine. Okay. Which at this point was a while ago. Um, <laughs> but uh, so um, how – okay. Uh, I want to go back further than 11 points and then we'll, re- we'll return sure. to it. So you said you you came out here to pursue – I came up here to pursue the comedy world. Okay. So I figured my first way in, I had done some stand-up in college, and I I thought I'm going to just try getting into stand-up. I figured that would be a great way to meet people. I don't like improv. Like, I don't like improv people. (laughs) So I decided I was a stand-up guy. So I went, like, pretty much both feet in on stand-up for my first two, three years here Mm. uh, until I started getting jobs doing writing and then uh my nights were no longer as free as they used to be and so i stopped doing as much stand-up and it was at the point where i i felt like with stand-up you had to be out there every night like just meeting people so you could find shows to be in Mm -hmm. and once i once i lost that i sort of faded away and also i was in retrospect I was like a kid who had nothing to say, except I could do like seven funny minutes of nothing. So, you know, maybe I'll do stand up again one day now that I actually have a point of view and maybe some Mm. comedic value to add to the world as opposed to just saying funny stuff for seven minutes, which was (laughs) my stand up career in a nutshell. (laughs) (laughs) Like this is like completely disposable noise. Well, I feel like that you got the name of your first album, which is saying funny things for seven minutes. (laughs) You got to make sure that album is seven minutes long. (laughs) Yeah. It's an EP. (laughs) Yeah. The Um, the problem is it's 40 minutes and the rest of it is, but I mean, I've seen people stand up on the stage and for seven minutes and not be funny. So at least you had the one thing going for you. You had the thing that was funny. I've also seen people stand up there for five minutes and be funny. So you got two minutes on them. (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, and my, and the nadir of, my stand-up career i did a i did 20 minutes and i'd say probably like 12 of it was really good material again not not advancing the cause of of thought in any way but (laughs) 12 minutes that would make an audience laugh and then eight minutes that would sort of make an audience laugh and i have that tape somewhere um uh but that was my stand-up career I, i started getting work as a writer after a few years after that and have in, been able to consistently write ever since. So. In what capacity as a writer? Uh, if you don't mind my asking. So the first job I got was through a very lucky break, actually. I was doing stand-up, and I mentioned in my act that I was a journalism major. And a guy, I was in, it was in the back of a Mexican restaurant in Brentwood. And a guy <laughs> who was there randomly said, I run this company, and we do something called radio prep, which is we 
find stories and we rewrite them and make them funny. And then they go out to radio shows around the country and we just had a guy quit. Would you be interested in applying? We're looking for a journalist who's also a comedian. And I said, well, that so this this is like, like news of the weird type stuff. So, exactly. So I applied, uh, and I eventually got that and that's sort of, and I've been working with them on and off ever since. Like I go back to them they're very nice to me. Like what I've had other, I've gotten other jobs. I leave and then I go back and I work for them. So they've been sort of my home base ever since is doing this, basically finding those weird stories, rewriting them to make them conversational, adding some jokes at the end. And then they go out to hundreds of radio stations. Wow. That's awesome. I've been doing that on and off for a decade. And in that is that is that is your uh, primary source of uh, income. Well, or? actually at this point, my website is watch out. Yeah. Look who thinks he's better than <laughs> yeah. the rest of them. <laughs> um, because, yes, there's some some very uh, fortuitous uh, traffic bursts on my website. It still does pretty well. And so – but, yeah, between that and, and the writing. And then I've ducked out and I've done – you know, I did some TV. I did some – I did, got into web video for a second there. And, uh, you know, back when everyone was doing that, I worked for a website producing videos for them for a few years and uh, – yeah, my book and all this – basically all the different writing things that that people like us do. <laughs> what is the book called? My book – that book is called The 11 Points Guide to Hooking Up. It was based off my website. I took a bunch of – some of the dating lists and did those and then wrote a bunch of new ones for the book. I think it it was a really good dating book, I think. Uh, it did it did decently. It um, On its – Opening day, I sort of rallied the troops to everyone buy it on the opening day. So I was able to hit number two on Amazon for an hour on the <laughs> opening day, which was which was pretty much what I was going for. That's great. Uh, and yeah. yeah, I was behind uh, Go the Fuck to Sleep. Do you remember sure. when that oh, stupid yeah. thing came out? Yeah, I yeah. was so – I couldn't, couldn't yeah. get past it. Even rallying everyone I knew and everyone who's read my website, I still couldn't pass whatever he was getting. Um, right. But so it got up there and uh, that did well and uh, – I have a couple more books in the works. I actually have a. Yeah. I, I think there. Well, be... now there's. You have to fucking eat. That's the next. Yes, one, right? I saw yeah. that. Yeah. So you got to so get. So my get my book out. is going to come out, and that's going to be. Um, yeah, I have another one coming out next year, and then uh, hopefully two more in 2016. Awesome. Man, oh man, what's the next one? Or can you tell? Uh, I'm not supposed to discuss it fully, but I will say it is a fiction book. Watch right. out! Yeah. Watch out! <laughs> All right, that's very exciting. We're almost an hour in. Oh, really? This is a movie podcast. Yeah, yeah. We have talked about n- almost no movies. <laughs> no, I talked about racist Peter Pan. <laughs> right. And we talked about Looney Tunes back in action as prompted by a listener. Benj. Benj. Oh, I don't care for that. You'll get used to it. Um, He's like your Eminem stan, basically. <laughs> <laughs> the next letter's going to be in the yeah. trunk of his car when it's at the bottom of an ocean. I wrote you, but you still ain't calling. Um... He keeps giving you his phone number. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, I'm just thinking at Eminem lyrics. Um, uh, I left my cell, my home phone, and my pager at the bottom. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, what's your favorite movie? Do you have a favorite movie? Ooh, that's uh, or something. What's something you find yourself watching a lot? Okay, the the movie that I've watched the most times in my life is History of the World Part One. Okay. Hmm. Introduced it was introduced to me by a friend when I was probably too young for it. Uh, probably when I was nine years old, I saw it for the first time, and I've probably watched it three to four hundred times in my life. 
Loved History of the World. Pro- I'm a big Mel Brooks guy since, and I obviously appreciate it differently at different points in my life. Like when I, you know, when I finally got the orgy joke in it, in, <laughs> like that, that, that took a minute. Uh, um, so I've, I've seen that. That's sort of my, that's usually my go-to answer when someone wants to know my favorite movie, because that's a, uh, yeah, it that's is the movie. I don't know that I can ever say a favor, but that is definitely the movie I have seen the most often. That's, you know, I, I, and I know that's a good movie, but when I think of Mel Brooks movies, that's one I tend to forget. And I know a lot of people like it, but I'm, I'm such a Blazing that's Saddles a, it, fan and such a Young Frankenstein fan. I'm not a huge Spaceballs fan, interestingly I was enough. when I was a kid, but I think, yeah, um, I don't think it holds yeah, up that well. But yeah, obviously Blazing Saddles, uh, Young Frankenstein. Uh, I also just, I think it hit, it came out the right point in my life for me to love it, but Robin Hood Men in Tights oh, really yeah. did it for me when that came uh, again, out. Again, again, I, I saw I liked it when I was a kid. I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I don't yeah, remember that, that one. That one I still liked when I saw it. I saw it again recently. Dave Chappelle. Is his first, yeah. it's the beginning of dave chappelle's movie career huh before con air uh, yeah yeah, and yeah. He plays a character named pinball who dies his <laughs> in, character in dies in, in con, air? con air oh yeah he dies yeah in a spectacular an upsetting way yeah um <laughs> my parents love con air i don't it's, it's one of those inexplicable things <laughs> it's like one of their movies is like con air and i can't explain it it's so they weird love con air it's when i when i watch that movie it's weird that anyone likes it to me it's i don't know it's Pretty. It was pretty. I've seen it once only, but I, find, I remember finding it pretty entertaining in the moment. I think it's. I was. I, young, it, I was young when I saw it. I was fifteen, and that is. I was. One could say the perfect age for Connor. Uh-huh. I went online uh, at the time. It was AOL. I went to like their movie site. I wrote like a three paragraph review. <laughs> what, a, what a wonderful time that was. Uh, back when I could do under eight hundred words, and so. Um, and there are people just bashing it and bashing it, and I just kept defending it to them and the I, and the stuff i fell back on is actually the stuff that i probably think favorably about now even though i think the movie is just mostly shit uh steve buscemi okay but i, I think he's great i like the way his the, character is written and I there's like a whole sequence like this is supposed to be like this fun summer like action blockbuster and there's that whole scene where he goes and has a tea party with a little girl and the tension is like is he gonna molest this girl <laughs> is he gonna murder and molest this girl like this is this is a fun, like, diversion comedy relief scene. This, like, the movie's sick. Yeah. It's sick. Imagine if you're watching Arsenic and Old Lace, and then suddenly Peter Lorre's character just goes into M mode right. <laughs> just for about 20 minutes. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, I and it would be very is, uneven. And, yeah, the, and, like, the way that the, by the, female, the, the female officer is treated, like, there's lots of oh, yeah, yeah. threats of sexual violence. Like, the, the movie makes me very uncomfortable. It is. It's... I feel like and like he's supposed to be a hero because at the beginning like someone looks at his girlfriend wrong and he beats him to death like the movie the movie is psychopathic I think now the more I'm thinking about it I don't think that's what it is I think I, I feel like he gets uh, involved in a bar fight but I don't think it's somebody looks at his at his, I'm, at I, his think best exa- girl wrong. I think I'm exaggerating but I think there's I think that movie is psychopathic I'm coming to the it probably is conversa- in, in that in that uh, 80s and 90s action movie sense. Like, I think the reason that I like... Okay, I'm not defending film. It's it's shit. Yeah. But I think the reason Wait, I like Wait, do you like, like the-, the part where the guy... <laughs> where uh, John Malkovich's character, Sai, is about to light a guy on fire, and the guy goes to plead with him, and he says... <sighs> the guy says, Sai. And Sai says, Anara. And then throws the match <laughs> and lights him on fire. Even at the time, I found that indefensible. <laughs> I, like, e- even then, I... I, I 
I don't I don't think I put it this way, but I think I said like that's a bit of a stretch. That, that <laughs> was when action catchphrases were everything because yeah. that was in the wake of Terminator Two. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, which, day, which day was that? Well, Judgment Day, <laughs> okay. obviously. Yeah, yeah, obviously that was Judgment Day, and okay. I, I feel like I, I went around saying "Hasta la vista, baby." For sure. a long time, I and mean, we were in catchphrase land too. That was also Wayne's World era. Like mm-hmm. it was, you were Ace Ventura. Like that was a real catchphrase heavy time. You now, needed now what your kind of, sayonara. What kind of detective was he? He was a pet detective. <laughs> pet detective. Right. Okay, got it. He did end up finding that dolphin in the end of that movie. <laughs> right. Oh. Uh, <laughs> is there? You mentioned like catchphrases and stuff. I'm thinking of action movies now. Now, admittedly, I don't watch like The Expendables, which are basically throwbacks anyway. But like. Are there catchphrase? Are there like action movie catchphrases? Well, now? they're still making diehards, and they get to be PG thirteen because once a movie, he gets to say, "Yeah, Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker," right. right? I guess so, but yeah, I, even that. I mean, you know, it's that's reference to a something that started in the eighties. Yeah, so I, I just, don't know. Is there like in the Fast and the Furious movies? Is there something that like Terry Gibson never, says? I, don't, I I haven't seen one. Since I've only seen the one, first one. Yeah, I think I saw one. I've only. never seen one. Um, uh, that's that's a good that's a good point. And I feel like maybe uh not unlike I mean there obviously there are some superhero movies that are a lot of fun but uh but I feel like probably the like mid 2000s everything started to change. We got serious Batman movies, we got Bourne movies, we got James Bond not saying any kind of catchphrase. Uh we got yeah. everyone 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 started taking Did things seriously. I think there was a I don't know if it was recent or if I only heard of it recently, but Daniel Craig talking about the the lack of comedy in the new in his born or his Bond movies, oh, and no, basically no. saying that post Austin Powers, it would just be ridiculous to do it. Like Mike Myers kind of like took the air out of that, and to keep to, to keep doing to keep being doing one liners and stuff like that would be ridiculous after austin powers that was his argument that is kind of interesting that's probably true actually that's yeah i think that's actually fair but they james bond has gotten super dark at this point i mean those are those are all grit and dark no to no levity of, anymore to the point of being i'd say a bit dour i do oh I love skyfall Sky- was yeah. it was yeah it was kind of sad <laughs> i do love skyfall and i love casino royale i didn't see quantum solace i heard it wasn't very good you looking forward to specter Kinda, yeah. With uh, mm-hmm. I believe Christoph Waltz as uh, Blofeld, but, but it's that's a lot. That's a long way away, right? I think. Uh, so. Yeah, I don't think it's even started filming. Yet. Yeah. Let's um, see what what does Sony leak say about that? They weren't too happy <laughs> about the James Bond franchise, right? Boy, so that was I, in there, wasn't it? I didn't. I, I have I have avoided reading too much of those emails. A because I feel like it's kind of an invasion of privacy. It's it's not kind of. It's really an invasion of privacy to yeah. read people's emails. Um, and what I did read kind of made me uncomfortable. Like I don't know, Scott Rudin, that guy yeah, has yeah. the guy has such a reputation for being a jerk to begin with, and then just saying mean stuff about Angelina Jolie, who does a lot of good charity work, right? And then, uh, yeah, <laughs> I did. What like I'm saying that, is, I he did like might the, be kind of right about <laughs> Angelina Jolie's level of talent, but let's not rag on Angelina Jolie. She's a force for good in the world. And then there was a, an exchange between him and I forget. Uh, I think it was a producer, Amy uh, Pascal. Yeah, yeah, and uh, just going back and forth about uh, 
movies that uh, our president would like. <laughs> right. Movies with black people in them. Essentially, yeah, Django, was there. They went Django Unchained, 12 Years a Slave, and eventually ended on <laughs> Think Like a Man. Right. And, <laughs> no, I think he mentioned Ride Along as well. Right, okay, yes, yes. Yeah, uh, it was also very, it was very uh, insul- rough. insulting. Rough. Ride Along um, might have catchphrases in it, though. Fair Kevin enough. Hart probably was shouting out catchphrases the equivalent of catchphrases you know during what? that movie that they're probably pretty funny yeah i like, I like kevin <laughs> yeah hart. Oh, he's great i have a friend who loves kevin hart movies i i don't i'm not all the way there on kevin hart but i have a friend who's just all about the kevin hart movies and that's good because there's 12 of them a year at this point so <laughs> yeah, right. i feel <laughs> like his agent is doing a really good job but he hasn't i guess do you, i've lost all perspective on what most people know or don't know is his does he is he like a, a name now? Do people, if you say Kevin Hart, do people well, know? There's this is an issue that I've talked about um, on my other podcast when it comes to uh, the actor Mike Epps, actor comedian Mike Epps, mm-hmm. because there's white America and Black America. Kevin Hart is an enormous, enormous star yeah. in black for black, you know, in black entertainment, mm-hmm. and he has broken through. He has crossed over. A lot of white people know who he is now right. and are fans of him. Whereas Mike Epps, who was incredibly talented, yeah, um, and gets to be very funny in movies aimed at black people, ends up playing, you know, a role that anyone could have played. Some like in in, in a movie aimed at white audiences, Mike Epps never gets to be the Mike Epps that he is in other kinds of films. You know, like even in that in the Hangover, Hangovers one and three. He's he's in the like, third one too. Yeah, he shows up again in the third one. But you don't need you didn't need the very talented Mike Epps to do that. It's it's essentially one scene in each film, you know, uh, and that's the kind of thing that Mike Epps does. And, and you know, that just uh, there was a we talked about Dave Chappelle. There was a Chappelle show sketch about it was based on the what was it uh, trading spouses or wife swap those mm. things, and it was about like a white and black family. Uh, and and Dave Chappelle's character was reading in the White Household, reading like Us Weekly, and he was like, "Who the fuck is Renee Zellweger?" <laughs> uh, and like, I, I find those jokes funny, but I do think it's kind of sad that there are uh, very talented black actors and comedians that a lot of white people don't know about because we have these two Hollywoods in a way. Is it also, however, possible that there are very talented? Uh white actors and actresses and let's say let's go ahead and say like uh british actors and actresses like helen mirren or something like that that the black audiences don't know about i, I don't yeah, actually i guess know. it's possible i I'm think not, it's possible yeah i'm not a, well, who's the white equivalent of mike epps oh, who's, who's the, who's the, now? Who's the, the comedian that only white people know right maybe the guy who played uh, badger on breaking bad <laughs> tj miller uh tj miller (laughs) might be be good actually yeah but i'm not sure if he's a name amongst white people yet yeah right there yeah (laughs) startled myself (laughs) really oh i wish this was a video show for a moment there um here's you know what i did what's that i reached over to scratch my elbow here Mm -hmm. and the cuff of my shirt brushed my hand i didn't realize my cuff was there and i thought there was like a bug on me you thought it was a scorpion uh, just on your okay. sleeve there. What about like Chris Hardwick and that empire in general? Um, I mean, they have I, like five TV shows. Yeah. yeah. A, uh, a whole podcast world. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of respect for that guy. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan, but, uh, but got more, a lot of respect for him. He's on TV. 
He's very prolific. You, he's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's ever, right. Like, right. I don't love Kevin Hart, but he's every, you know, he's uh-huh. a comedian who is, who I can turn on the TV and probably see him within an hour. Right. That's, that's interesting <laughs> to put it that way. If you, if you had a mind to it right. without, without, uh, inserting anything into the DVD player or anything, well, you could probably yeah. get that. But all you have to do is finish watching the show that's on. And then after it will be the show where Chris Hardwick talks about yeah. that show. It's, it's, <laughs> it's as likely as not that you will get his commentary right afterwards. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, and that's, and I'm not trying to like even play devil's advocate or anything, but it's something that I'm always curious about. Uh, and this is oddly enough, it's a conversation I had many years ago about like uh, white churches and black churches that uh, that I remember I was having a bit of a debate with somebody and, and they said like, like, oh, if you if you were to take, you know, a white person, bring them into a black church, they'd probably be really uncomfortable. And I thought, yeah, but if you brought a black guy and brought him into a white church. Anytime you're the only one of something, you might feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Also, there's probably just certain styles of music that not that somebody's like genetically predisposed to liking, <laughs> but like that's not what I'm saying. But just like like even just there's music that I like and music I don't like. There's plenty of, uh, you know, if I were let's let's go with something like country, especially modern country, which I think is horribly overproduced and I hate it. Like I I cannot listen to it. Give me an example. Uh, well, he's he's been around for a while now, but like Alan Jackson, okay, like you know, yeah, he's I mean? been around like, a long time, but yeah, yeah, but just like his is so. Yeah, I don't like that kind of stuff either. It's just like compared to like a uh, like Willie Nelson or or Roy Orbison or something like that. Um, but like, nah, damn it. Okay, well, I picked a very white. That's about as white I, as it I can picked get. a very okay. But you know what? Uh, the point stands. I'll stick with uh-huh. it. Um, uh, you know, if I was suddenly asked to go to a, a country uh, concert or something like that, I wouldn't enjoy it just because I got invited into this other thing. I was never going to enjoy it. And just I don't know, just because I'm not involved in that in that culture. I don't know. I'm not, okay. I'm not quite sure what I. What yeah, I'm not, yeah I, I agree, but I'm not sure what I get, we're getting it, at. It's here. one of those things that like when people talk about like the two Americas and the two Hollywoods, obviously that's a thing that I lament as well. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a lot of people jump into it as if to say like somehow that like oh right. that th- this group would be way more malleable maybe because they and i might agree simply because there's just way more way more movies for us right. than for them so they've almost been forced to and also what i'm saying is the the economic and the marketing uh i guess environment is such that there are there are movies that you and i are almost like discouraged from seeing do you know what i mean because their the their marketing is so pinpointed, like a think like a man. Um, yeah, I mean that one might be one of the ones that's closer to a to have broken through. Yeah, but they're all kinds. Of, you know, like you know, uh, there's a uh, in is it? It was not a very good movie, but um, what was it called? That awkward moment. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. There's a running joke in the beginning of the movie that is funnier than the filmmakers seem to realize it is that none of the white characters know who Morris Chestnut is <laughs> <laughs> because Michael B. Jordan's like wife cheats on him with a guy and he keeps saying he looks like Morris Chestnut and none of the white and that's an actor who none of the white characters know and I think that I, I found that very funny funnier than they seem to realize it was uh, but yeah there was a whole slew of movies in the late 90s oh yeah that Morris Chestnut was in you know like uh, the brothers I don't know if anyone even remembers that movie yeah um, I can't remember what else was, was he in, uh, uh, he did get eaten alive, uh, in anacondas. 
the search for the blood orchid. Is that true? Yeah. He gets uh, bitten by a spider, paralyzed, and then an anaconda just swallows him without even needing to crush him because he's paralyzed. So that's who he is. Was Uh, he in uh, The Wood? I never saw that one. I I always get that mixed up with the brothers because they came out like the same year and they're the same type of story. And again, like they're going kind of for the same audience. And I feel terrible putting the two together it's like it's like volcano and dante's peak uh, <laughs> i also did one of those on my website of those movies first daughter and chasing liberty oh, right or, yeah i only saw one yeah. of those i could not tell you which one they're the but those are the most of all of the movies that came out the same year that are the same those are the most similar and that they both have the same twist in them which is what which is that like the secret uh, the guy that she's in love with is really a secret service guy working undercover. Oh, it wow. happens to both of both chasing Liberty and first daughter. Now, I which think of- I saw the one I saw the one where they go to the, where they go to the love parade in Berlin. Is that chasing? Liberty? I, I don't remember. I can't tell them apart. Okay. It's been, I don't remember who's in them. Katie, Katie Holmes. Holmes and I think uh, I saw the other one. Uh, is it Amanda Bynes? Is it Hillary Duff? Hillary Duff, yeah. I think I might have seen the Hillary one those, Duff one. One of those girls. And wasn't there The Prince and Me and The Princess Diaries? I know they're not exactly the same, but aren't, didn't they come about around the same time? I don't know what The Prince and Me is. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember if those were the same Are you thinking of Ella time. Enchanted? <laughs> I'm, I'm not thinking of that. I remember the title, The Prince and Me. I don't really remember anything beyond that. I think it's just another another princess thing. <laughs> Um, but or or maybe like a probably a situation where it's like oh a girl dreaming of being a princess and oh here's the prince and he's gonna bring me into that right yeah that's uh, oh that's a fair more chestnut point. was not in the wood but he was in two can play that game oh which okay. is another one of not those the movies. wood oh I'm gonna look up the cast of the wood oh please do um, yeah it's uh, it is interesting to bring this up and I feel like we've maybe stumbled on an entire episode which is the idea of. Um, and we've we've kind of talked about in the past, which is, you know, certain demographics uh, that it becomes, a, whether it be, you know, like women or African-American or whatever, and just it becomes a big deal when when they're being marketed to or when it's somebody like a like a Kevin Hart really breaks through because it's like, oh, like we discover like we, we feel like, oh, who now who's this guy that's been huge in that community right. for probably five years Right, and you start discussing if now he's a success. Like, <laughs> like, <because laughs> like now Kevin Hart is successful. Right, like right. that's <laughs> yes, we've we've given him our stamp of approval as white people. So the wood is Omar Epps, Tay Diggs, and a bunch of actors that I would probably know if I were black. <laughs> right? Is there a Sean Nelson in there? there is, is Sean that, Nelson is in it. I, I don't know, know what I know him from. Uh, he was in uh, American Buffalo. That's what okay. I know him from. I know him from a very white film <laughs> called American Buffalo. But anyway, I this feel is like, a fun conversation. Is it fun? I feel uncomfortable. I, I I think it's okay for us to comment on the fact that there are two two Hollywoods. Okay, there's more than two Hollywoods. Okay, right? There's uh, there is because I feel like the horror Hollywood is a totally different Hollywood <laughs> as well. Right. That, that is, is that is this niche that is ultra successful in its own weird way. Yeah. And in that they're making, they're taking $3 million movies and making $30 million right. off of them. Like a cottage industry. Actors no one's ever heard of. And it's this whole thing that's operating concurrently with the rest yeah. of Hollywood. Let me ask. And all, and the, all the black actors who are stars in that Hollywood 
die first in horror. Right. And then they can go to Tyler Perry's to film the real movie that they got to work on. Um, they could do their scenes in the horror right. movie over a weekend because they're going to be the first ones right. killed. Sam, let me ask you this. Does the name Bill Oberst Jr. mean anything to you? No. All right. Here we go. He was a guest on my other podcast, More Than One Lesson. He is a horror superstar. He's been in 100 movies in the last five years. He is in that world. He is a, in the world of like like low budget horror. He is a giant. And and me, like I haven't really heard of right. him. You hadn't heard of him. Um, and uh, but he like he is. He makes his living as being one of the big like if you if he goes to a horror convention, he will be just swamped by people. And it's just fascinating. I think you're absolutely. Yeah, right. it's. That is, and then and the next one that's going to come up are these direct to iTunes YouTube star movies. There's going to be a whole thing with that. They're Did you already watch the starting chair on star stars. Uh, I didn't. I had a friend who was one of the producers of it. I didn't end up watching it because we don't have stars, but I know all about it. I only my friend. I only watched the first episode, but you know one of the guys. One of the guys is a, is a YouTube star. Those YouTube people are for real, and they are having people bang down their door with money at this point. But are, is it a guarantee that their that their films will do well? Well, I think it's the you make the film for two hundred and fifty thousand, and you hope yeah. that it makes two million dollars, and that's a pretty successful thing for a few investors to do. You know, yeah, that's, right. you're not trying to make. You're not trying to make hundred million dollar movies, and yeah. actually, I think that trend. Did you read that article about, about Universal? Universal? I mean that that that's the you know perhaps those have finally yeah. hit their peak and oversaturated. I don't know if you saw that. I think I, I think Universal's uh, no they tent made, poles plan turned out very well for them. Yeah, right. like we may because if you look at the movies like we were talking about from the '90s, like those have all been all but been eliminated. The like. $8 million movie that they hope makes $40 million. Like, yeah. the, like that, that's not a prestige picture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, those days are done. They make so, they make fewer movies than they ever used to. Cause now they're just shooting for the moon. Yeah. Right. And there's, there's occasionally a surprise, but it's not something that is ever planned on. Right. Um, no, it's never like, like taken like that yeah, yeah. Like, where something's accidentally a, a runaway success, yeah. but they don't, they don't make like, which was distributed by universal, right? Yeah. Taken. My go-to is the so. Sandlot. I'm okay. waiting for the days when there's another movie like the Sandlot. Cause I feel like that type of movie, like the, the thought process behind making a Sandlot is totally gone. Yeah, I how, guess do, how do you mean? Well, I just I feel like they don't make. I I feel like it's not a big enough swing. I feel like they don't. I mean, they don't make sports movies at all, period, anymore because they don't work internationally. But right. I, I feel like they don't make. They made Draft Day, which was right, and it, <laughs> and it's not. They're not going to make a Draft Day too. <laughs> um, I I just feel like they don't. They don't make a movie like that anymore. Like that, you know. It's just sort of a modest movie with a good story, an original premise, an original story yeah. that's not super high budget or, or trying to win awards. Yeah, I was every movie that's coming to mind, I'm like, well, what about? And then I realized, oh, right, that was nominated for a bunch of Oscars it's, and it was probably made uh, meant Like to. the movies that come out this month, like this month yeah. we get all the movies that cost under $10 million to make. We we get them all right now. And then some now that cost more than that, but yeah. you know, we're not we don't get that many other than the horror movies throughout the rest of the year. Now, yeah. like the summer was just I mean, there was like three epic blockbusters per weekend at this point, yeah. you know. 
You and could- then the, the idea of the end of the tent pole, I think that will last until next summer when everyone sees Star Wars and everyone sees Jurassic World and everyone sees the Avengers. And then, and then people will look back on Universal's little money ball thing and say – no, we're not going to we're not going to I don't know do if it's that. the end of the tent pole. I think it might just be the end of the only tent poles. Oh, okay. Like yeah. where everyone's tent has to have 100 poles and nothing yeah. in the tent anymore. And right. like <laughs> Yeah. Like, <laughs> like maybe we could get back to their just tent poles actually being tent, you know, yeah, four yeah. tent poles and yeah. holding you, you know, I know Marvel has a thousand movies coming out in the next right. in the next 10 years they've yeah. already they're already planned for the next 10 years so those are gonna happen and they're all gonna do well but i'm gonna we'll tell you what right happens now, in between i will probably not see jurassic world okay i will probably not see avengers 2 why not you like nah, the first okay one. maybe i'll see avengers 2 you're right yeah. i'll see avengers 2 i will what I, what I was gonna say is even i i will see star wars yeah oh absolutely <laughs> I'll, see, I, I'll see all of them i mean that I didn't see Jurassic. I never saw the third Jurassic Park. It's not but, very good. But I know I'll see Jurassic World because, first of all, my wife will want to go on opening night because she loves Jurassic Park and oh, yeah, Chris she, Pratt. Yeah, I thought you were going to say she loves She loves Chris both Pratt. Jurassic Park and Chris Pratt. So I know that I'll see Jurassic. And I would have wanted to see it anyway. Avengers. I see every Marvel movie because, fortunately, I didn't marry someone who likes the Marvel movies and I like the Marvel movies. So we see all of those. And I'll see Star Wars. Even though I'm I'm not like a Star Wars geek type i still have seen every star wars i saw all three of them yeah all three i think of that, that was my point is you kind of in the theater and yeah you know. kind of have to yeah. you have to see a star wars movie. yeah yeah this is it's a thing that we talked about at this point probably two or three months ago in which the idea is the idea of inevitability and just you look at star wars and you say well what am i not gonna you yeah know, right. i'm i'm an american male in my 30s <laughs> and i'm and i'm alive Right. If you're like applying for citizenship in the next year or so, like make it a plan to see Star Wars. But I'm probably not going to see Star Wars. I'm not going to go opening weekend, I would guess. I, I don't know that I'm going to fight for Star Wars. Sure. Yeah, I'm going to go see, see Star Wars on, a, on like a, the Wednesday night yeah. the next week <laughs> at like the 930 showing. I like a nice afternoon show. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, – I'm trying to think um, – so what uh, what were because uh, I can't call them to mind because I I tend not to think about uh, studios. What were Universal's movies this year that that made them uh, have, a lot of money? Um, let's see, the Lucy I think okay yeah did well um, the Purge Anarchy I think did well for okay. its budget yeah. Um, what else did Dumb and Dumber two make money? I don't know if it yes did. it did. I did? think it won that weekend anyway. Okay, um, that's them. What else? I'm not sure about I'm not sure how Get On Up did, but I liked it. Yeah, um, Get On Up. Um, Lone Survivor, Ride Along, Nonstop, Neighbors. Ugh, Neighbors. My pick for the worst movie of the year, A Million Ways to Die in the West. Uh, The only movie I've walked out of in in like 10 years. Really? Yeah. How how far in did you make it? Um, Probably about halfway. So about 500,000 ways in? (laughs) (laughs) You son of a bitch. And then I I sort of looked at the people I was with and we were like, we've seen enough trailers and commercials for this that they still got to do this scene and this and this and and i nope i just can't i just can't and <laughs> that was the end of me and a million ways to die in the west wow I, I david when is the last time that you 
I don't know if I've ever walked out of a movie. That's, I've never walked out of a movie. That's one of three movies. I've actually walked out. I, I'm wrong when I say it's 10 years because there was one I walked out of the year before and then it, it's been forever before. That. Oh, the, I, the year before I walked out of Identity Thief, uh, Melissa, McCart- Melissa like McCarthy movie. and Jason Bateman. <laughs> this, oh, guy, I, this guy here likes I it. I thought I, there was no story. <laughs> there were no jokes. Oh, it's I all over the place. I was just... I was just like, what am I? What? There's no, st- I'm, and I you, so perform- I've heard you I talk, you have a movie pass, great. you're a movie pass guy, yes, right? Yes. So I used to have a movie pass. We ended up canceling them this summer, but that was a movie pass movie for me. And perhaps that it sort of devalues it enough that, and I heard you say on the last podcast, when you're talking about movie pass, it's only an issue of time at this point. It's not an yes. issue of money anymore. So you've no, you're only committing your time. And I think that's what hit me during identity thief, which was, I'm not going to spend another hour. I'm not going to give another hour of me to this movie. So I left and I did have to review it for the website. And I actually, uh, and I think anything that I'm, that I have to review, I'm certainly not going to walk out on that, but I actually, I actually, uh, I, I find, uh, Melissa McCarthy to have a great deal of, uh, on-screen charisma. And I thought she had a really nice, uh, rapport with Jason Bateman. The film is story-wise. It's all over the place. It's, uh, they just, and it's oh, it's one of those frustrating things where it's like there's maybe only a handful of action comedies that know how to balance both, and that's not one of them. Um, like the the story kicks in, and you want to say like you don't realize why we came to the film, do you? You seem <laughs> to think that we care about your little action plot. You know, just go with the Blues Brothers. And just have absolute chaos. I don't. I don't care about the story. I care about these characters and them doing funny things. And if the action allows that to happen, awesome. If it doesn't, then drop it. And it's so it is. It is a film that is that is uh, frustrating. And I do have a feeling that because I'll probably just keep my movie pass for a while. And February is going to be a little rough, but there will be movies I'm interested in and I'll go see. And that's, and I actually liked it more during the Februaries of Mm -hmm. the year than I did the summer is when we finally got frustrated when I sat there looking at the movies that were out at like the beginning of August. And I was like, I can go see any of these and I don't have to pay for it. And I will not get out of my house to watch any of these movies. And that's when we got so frustrated with it that we were like, you know, we're not really using this that much anymore. And so... You know, that's when the th- like the thirty five dollars a month is fine when you're going constantly. Yeah. But when you stop going, then you're like, well, between the two of us, we're spending seventy bucks a month on this thing, and we're not seeing anything, and we're gonna force ourselves to go see something. And I do think that if if my wife also had one, um, then we'd probably reassess a little bit more. But as it is, it's just me, and so and the nature of my job is that. Oh, I got done with my work at eight thirty, so yeah. I'm just gonna go. When we uh, to live, when we lived together in Chicago, you were so opposed to going to the movies alone. Yeah, and then you know, uh, practicality got me out of that. <laughs> you know, and it's because you know, uh, just when I was when you're in high school, you can always find somebody to go to a movie with. But mm-hmm. in college, I wasn't very popular. <laughs> oh, sorry about it. Um, but uh, but in you know in college, sometimes especially. I think especially when you become sort of a film student and there's something that you really want to see and no one cares and they don't want to take their time. They don't want to take their – they don't want to waste a Friday night and they don't want to waste their money as as they see it to see this thing that they've never heard of. But for me, I can't wait to see it. So uh, like, like the, I think maybe the first film I saw alone 
was Focus with uh, William H. Macy, where mm-hmm. he puts on the Well, it sounds like you weren't alone. What? You said you saw it with William H. Macy. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Although I guess I can't do my little uh, movie subtitle joke twice in five minutes and not uh, and get mad at you for yours. Um, what I was going to say was I've never walked out of a movie uh, in the theater, but I twice in my life because I, I feel like now books, if I don't like a book, I will stop at any point. Yeah. If I'm halfway through and I'm not feeling it, I don't care. I'll stop. And but, TV shows, obviously, um, won't finish the season. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's. Oh, yeah. Um, I've quit all kinds of TV shows. Um, any TV show that I'm watching is always in danger of being quit. At any moment. I just quit um, uh, Arrow. Yeah, I couldn't do it anymore. I never started. I is thought about the... giving it up, and la- at the end of last season, I tuned in the beginning of this season, and I stopped. You know why? They did a, fl- a crossover episode with the Flash. And I thought, if I want to watch this episode of Arrow, they also are going to make me watch an hour of The Flash, and I'm not going to do that. And so <laughs> that, was, I, and that was that was went, the that was the final straw. The only um, bit of Arrow that I saw is w- at Comic Con when I saw the pilot of The Flash, and he shows up in it for about uh, ten minutes. And then I thought, uh, I recognize that he looks like a superhero. That he's got, you know, he's a good-looking guy and all that. He and I'm sure he can pull off the physicality of the character really well. Um, he has absolutely no charisma at all. And in in those ten minutes, I was just like, "This guy has a whole show that is apparently quite popular." If they do a Green Arrow movie, he ain't playing the Green Arrow in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, He's someone else is going to be the Green Arrow in that movie. Let's that, so that's the, safe to say that. Like they're doing with the Aquaman thing, like they're having a different Aquaman on TV than they are in the movies, yeah. I guess. And right, like they need a they need a movie star to do it. In I the think movies. yeah, I think and, uh, they've all but said that if the Flash shows up in the movie universe, it's not going to be Grant Gustin, right? Yeah. Like they've made that clear. Um, but to my, what I was going to say is there, are, uh, I, I I tend to commit to movies. Once I start, I'm going to f- see it through. But twice in my life, I have put a movie in first time it was a vhf vcr second time it was a dvd player and not made it through the first one time to go to blu-ray uh the first one was yeah uh joel schumacher's batman and robin i was <laughs> i and the thing is it's not like i had something better to do i was on vacation with my parents staying at our aunt and uncle's house in virginia and that's what they had and i was like literally i think i'm just gonna go to sleep <laughs> i can't watch it. <laughs> i was like a kid i was young enough the other time was when my now wife and I first started dating somehow because of like a DVD player she got or something, she got like a free copy of Transformers, the first Michael Bay Transformers movie. And it had just been sitting on her as long as I'd known her, had been sitting next to the TV, like still wrapped. And like, I went over to her house, her apartment, um, which is now our apartment, uh, after, after work one day and we like ordered some food and I was like, what if we just like watch Transformers while we eat? eat dinner like this will be fun we'll like laugh at or whatever and i knew it was like two and a half hours long and we're sitting there eating we're not, it's so bad we couldn't even laugh at it and i'm like okay we have to be at least halfway through this movie and i like lean forward to look at the time counter and it's like 43 minutes and i turned it out i was like i can't do this she was like oh i'm so glad you said that <laughs> and so we took it out and we watched clifford instead oh absolutely <laughs> yeah made the right choice there yeah it's uh so I know that we should probably uh, start. We should definitely yeah. start. So 
Well, we'll I'll throw this out to you, uh, Sam. Already, I was very excited uh, when you said that the film film you'd seen more than anything else was a film I was not expecting you to say. So that's right. that's very exciting. Let me ask you this: uh, something that I like to uh, ask the guests when it, when it does occur to me um, is, what are some movies that you recommend that very few other people have seen? These are just kind of the ones that you own. Okay, you know. All right. Uh... Like recent movies or whatever, just okay. What, yeah, what's your go to? This one, this one pops into mind. It's from last year only. Okay, it got. It's not from any other year. I thought. It's I thought, only from last I thought year. Unfit. Well, it's recent. That's why I, <laughs> right. I, I qualified it as such. I can give my my <laughs> obscure movies that I loved from the past. Else, but I thought it got. It did not get a fair shake. And I thought it was actually one of my favorite movies from last year. Was the Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Oh, with Ben I Stiller. I didn't see it either. I actually, and I, I, I'm not you saying this lightly, I actually loved the movie. Mm. And I think it, it got surprisingly bad reviews. Um, it got panned. I think a lot of it had to do with people's dislike of Ben Stiller more than anything. Mm. But I thought it was wonderfully well done. I thought they did the story perfectly. I thought it was a great movie. And I wish people had seen it it got i mean it obviously didn't get any awards or anything like that i think they at one point thought it was maybe potentially going to but i loved secret life of walter mitty so i would i would highly recommend seeing secret life of walter mitty all right what are your older ones you said you had yeah, older I mean, ones uh, to recommend too all right there was this movie and i love it in the mo in because it's so stupid and i love it and i i really like stupid movies and this movie got killed and it's stupid but it's stupid in the way that you can tell it's brilliant people doing a stupid movie which is mcgruber oh i never okay. saw that one either. i never saw it, it. Is, it is these recommendations it is, are really brilliant right com- you can as as someone who has a comedy brain you can see that this is done by people who know exactly what they're doing with every line of dialogue and with every shot and it and i think people missed the point of it of it completely but it is so funny from start to finish. And even the the biggest shocker to me is my wife actually liked MacGruber when she watched it. <laughs> like she, she was like, this is it. She got like an almost an airplane vibe from like the over the top use of like intelligent slapstick in it. So I highly recommend MacGruber. Okay. Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Okay. Wow, those are those are my those are, those are my go-tos. those are my two bullet bullets in the chamber. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'll stick with those. I'll quit okay. while I'm on okay. top and not and not risk it on a third one. Okay. Yeah, maybe one that we have seen and right. think it's one, yeah, one shit. you're gonna. Um, oh, and well, then the movie that I can't, you know, everyone has their. If I happen to be flipping channels and I see that I won't turn it off, is and you can't play the subtitle game with me except because we're not talking about the sequel on this one. All right, miscongeniality. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Miscongeniality like one, not Armed and Fabulous. Yeah, yeah. I never saw Armed and Fabulous, um, but I like Armed and Fabulous is not good, but Miscongeniality one just does it for me when I'm flipping through the channels. Yeah. Like in terms of uh, you will get no it's a, it's a grief per- from me it's a on perfect, that. Perfect, perfect Sandra Bullock role, probably her best. You know, I didn't like The Blind Side, but I do like Miscongeniality. Hold on, now I got to think about best Sandra Bullock roles. That might be that's a good one. Miscongeniality is is. It's the it's most her of any. Like the, I the really heat think, was uh, was well, see, really good. See, I'm I'm very different than you on my Melissa McCarthy. You're deal. not a fan. I'm I, I 
I liked her in Bridesmaids, but I think that she's sort of a little goes a long way kind of thing hmm. for me. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I didn't see Tammy. No, yeah, I didn't. Either. Um, I didn't really like, I saw the heat, but I didn't really like it. Obviously I, I've stated my thoughts on identity thief. Uh, and so, yeah, I think, I think she's more of a, she's more of a, she can be great in small doses, like bridesmaids. She she stole every scene she was in, yeah. but she wasn't in every scene. And okay. we're mm. talking about Sandra Bullock here now. Yeah, yeah. And now I, I got to think of Sandra Bullock. Uh, better twenty eight days, the one that everyone forgets existed because twenty eight days later came along, like yeah. a year later. This <laughs> <laughs> is actually a really good movie. It, I, I remember. I, I remember liking it. Alan Tudyk days. is in it, right? Which, which yeah. one's twenty eight days? That's when she, she's in rehab. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Um, yeah, Maybe I have not seen much, that much of her body of work, and it has a uh, pre the wire uh, Dominic West as the love interest. Oh. Hmm. Um, I do think that she forces she of has, nature. Anybody remember that I, one? I saw forces of nature. Oh, that that's not so. That's definitely not. <laughs> it's definitely not beating uh, Miss Congeniality. The net speed. Saw the net speed. Yeah, wrestling Ernest Hemingway. She is very good in that demolition. Demolition, demolition man. man. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like in Seinfeld when uh, George Frank Costanza is talking about net and he says, with the girl from the bus. <laughs> I, really, I really enjoy that line. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we ended this episode exactly where we thought we were going to, which was going through Sandra Bullock's filmography. Absolutely. I'm sorry if I took this on. This was a little more of a random journey than I think. You That's, guys, I, so, I love that. All yeah. right. We're all over the place. Yeah, that was. I think it was. It was a really good time for us. Hopefully, the listeners feel the same way. I can't imagine why they wouldn't. They're idiots if they don't. Can I um, plug my Amazing Race podcast before we wrap up? Oh yeah, we're, we're going okay, to do you. all the plugs because I just I just want to get that podcast in because we talk about everything else. Yes, and you guys are um, going to be on it. Oh yeah, I will be reminding okay. you if you don't. Okay, <laughs> Toge- together or separately. I think we should do separate. I think but. we'll do separate because we have to do it with my buddy who I do the podcast with in New York. And so it's oh, yeah, okay. hard to do four people, and especially with one remote. Um, well, that, well, this is a uh, conversation for later. Uh, you can, of course, find us at battleshipretention.com. That's where you can find all of our uh, podcasts and all the podcasts in the BP fleet uh, and all of our movie reviews. This week, what do we got? We got uh, I got Inherent Vice Exodus. and Exodus Gods and Kings. Mm-hmm. Um, both gods and kings yeah uh it's like this is like the disappearance of eleanor rigby thing right yeah yeah. there's him there's one just called exodus gods and one called exodus kings yeah and i saw the complete this is stupid (laughs) um i'm trying to think what else is up there in reviews scott reviewed the new godard uh movie yeah um yeah, so the check out battleshipretention.com. Email us at david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretention.com. Or write us handwritten uh, notes. Please do, yeah. You can find our P.O. box on the website. Um, you can um, follow me on Twitter, me, David, on Twitter at The Pretension. You can and should follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Pretension. Um, and uh, Tyler's podcast is called, uh, other podcast is called More Than One Lesson. Uh, what's what's going on there? You talking about Exodus this week? Uh, coming up, we're talking about Exodus: okay. Gods and Kings. Uh, but uh, the uh, the most recent episode that is currently available is our discussion about Saving Christmas, this, which uh, this movie just won't quit. It won't well, quit uh, infuriating you. <laughs> well, it's that's the thing is uh, I, the whole reason that I saw it is so we could do an episode about it, but uh, then uh, it just kept coming up uh, in conversation <laughs> because it's just such a such an enigma. Um, my 
uh, other podcast is about TV. It's called Hey, Watch This. Uh, this week we'll be talking about the BBC America miniseries The Game. And we will talk, be talking about the new um, show, The Librarians, which uh, is apparently based on some popular made-for-TV movies that I've never seen. I know very little about it. Uh, uh, Noah Wiley, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I worked at Blockbuster, I would I saw those things. It was like uh, Adventure of the Librarian or something like that. And I remember thinking, like, well, what the fuck is this? Like, this <laughs> this looks like I should know about it. Like, it, it seemed... That just the box art seemed very uh, confident in itself. They're like, look, you know who I the think, librarians are. I, th- I think these are popular. It's essentially what I. It's essentially like are a, they popular? I mean, they were all like made for TNT movies, right? right. Like I think for that movies, they're popular. But Noah Wiley is not in the series. I found oh, he's out. not. He is not. I guess I assumed he was. In fact, I. Uh, from what I read, because I was actually interested in it because I had the exact same reaction. Like, this is something I probably should have heard of at this point. He, I think the first uh, – the pilot of it, maybe it transitions from Noah Wiley passing the baton to this group of new librarians okay. or – it's sort of a but they're ragtag <laughs> bunch of librarians. <laughs> right. Like, one's a cowboy librarian. <laughs> like, but well, they're librarians. Probably like a martial arts librarian. They're librarians in the way that Indiana Jones was an archaeologist. Like, they're adventurers. Yeah. Their day right. job is well, library science stuff down that's stolen from libraries. Okay, maybe? but they I get an adventures. Yeah, they get an adventure. Yeah, it's not just them like Dewey Decimal System filing <laughs> books away. See, I just want to see. You mentioned Seinfeld earlier. I just want to see the Philip Baker Hall uh, type yes. of character oh, yeah. who shows up as like a hard boiled detective. <laughs> Man, I love that character. Okay, so that's what's going on. At hey, watch this this week. That's all for us. Sam, where can people find yes. you and all your work so, on the internet? All right. So the main place to find me is my website, 11points.com. And I am you know, at, at 11 points on Twitter. And I also have this random podcast that has nothing to do with 11 points. It's all about the amazing race. It's called You Call That Amazing. It's my friend and I <laughs> break down every episode of The Amazing Race <laughs> the next day, talk about how we would have done the challenges better, uh, <laughs> offer our critiques of the teams, make our picks, uh, and we're starting to, you know, get a little get a little buzz around the Amazing Race water cooler, as it were. Oh, man. So I got to get on the show. Uh, it is on it is on iTunes and uh, amongst other places where you can it, subscribe to podcasts. It's called You Call That Amazing. You Call That Amazing. OK, it's now it, is that with a question mark? It is with a okay. question mark. Yes. All right. And well, that it, is italicized, in fact, in okay. the icon to, okay. really, to really sell the point. OK. Uh, um, and we're very happy with it. it. We haven't told that many people about it. We, we decided we we can do it for a while uh-huh. just to get our rhythms down. Now we're starting to take it out to the world. Um, my wife likes to joke that uh, the most the most commonly spoken phrase on the Amazing Race is "You got this, babe," <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it does seem to happen Which at least once an episode the previous- or more. Come on, come on, <laughs> keep up <laughs> with, which is by the way, but what my wife and I discuss, could you go on the amazing race with your wife? Oh, we talk about this. This is a problem. Uh, no, because she's a vegetarian and would not even for a million dollars eat meat. So okay. if it came like the, the doctors, I can't remember their names who had to eat the sheep's head a few years she ago. She wouldn't do it for, right. uh, you're done. But my wife and you're I, yeah, we, we would have to take, we would okay. be taking the penalty. Um, and yet when she says this and I start to say, well, then I wonder who I know that I should go on the amazing race with. Then she gets like offended that I'm thinking about going with someone else. <laughs> what about you? Uh, we, you know, you can only watch competitive reality shows for so long before you start to wonder, could I do this? Yes. <laughs> um, my answer is invariably no. 
uh, to all of it. Um, I could definitely not be on Survivor, though I think I'd have a good social game. Um, but uh, And then Amazing Race, I don't think I would do well with anybody. Um, I have way too many hang-ups. <laughs> and, uh, and then... To do it with with my wife, absolutely not. Like we have arguments over virtually nothing right. at this point, and that and everything about that. I mean, you watch. Hold on, you watch I'm getting an seasons. idea. Would it be weird if Jenny and I went on the Amazing Race together? <laughs> I don't think so. That's a great okay. gimmick, actually. I don't think they've ever done that one before. Right. Absolutely. I think that should yeah. be fine. That would be a fun idea. Absolutely. My, my wife and I have decided we there's no chance we could go on the Amazing Race together because our competitiveness levels are so different from one another. <laughs> like, because I, if I were on there, I'd be operating at a 10 out of 10. Uh-huh. And she probably caps at like a three and a half, four. So I would be the I would be the husband who looks like the asshole which you have probably once every season yep, of yep. the guy who looks like an asshole to his wife or girlfriend, just yelling at her to come on, pick it up. And that guy last season who wasn't even yelling, like I can't remember. I always forget characters names, but like when she was trying to drop the bag out of the plane onto the target oh, on yeah. the beach, oh, yeah. he was so condescending. Now, admittedly she wasn't uh, doing well and other, no, people but he were... treated her like she was a, like a misbehaving child. Yeah. Uh, and I think she ended up like, well, that was a met- few seasons ago with the doctor. They're, they they're, were, yeah, they're yeah. doctors. Was yeah. That, that was a few, few seasons. Cause I, last season was that terrible all star season. The, oh, it was the right. one before it with, yeah, the doctors yeah. were, they started really strong and then she just started mentally breaking down. And I the, think and he was so condescending. Yeah. And I he think comes that off looking her breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's and I don't want to look like that. I, I I don't mind yelling at a friend. Like you don't look like a bad person yelling at a friend. You look like a bad person yelling at a woman. Like especially like your wife or girlfriend. Right. I do. I wonder if. Uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of weird. Like if you are yelling at your wife on the Amazing Race, you look like an asshole. If she's yelling at you, you look like a wuss. It's yes. like How's this working out? That that the but husband then, always wait, just who, cannot win. Who is the team? Uh, again, I'm bad at names. A couple, a, I think it might have been the same season as the Doctors, where they were friends and they had already like she was so domineering to where oh, she. Oh yeah, yeah, the like, blonde. That was the same the, season. It said it, yeah. If they win, they're not going to split a fifty-fifty. She right. it's like seventy-thirty. Right. She made him <laughs> sign a deal to do. Yeah, yeah. She, <laughs> that was Tim and Murray. Right, Murray. <laughs> right, but she's like that's like the female partner you want to have. Like someone uh-huh. who's like just get a go kill it out there but but, yeah yeah she's the i know we're turning this into like your your amazing race podcast but tim and marie are the perfect example of the team that i end up rooting for because everyone else on the show hates them yeah of course they start bad so you they have nowhere else to go (laughs) (laughs) whereas the the show just breaks everybody else down so much that by Uh the end like especially with those doctors too they also brought in the fact that they they started invoking their Christianity throughout the middle of it of like how they were going to run a clean Christian race and they would <sighs> they would edit clips of them saying that right before they would do something dirty on the race. <laughs> or rather they would have somebody else do it so that they could oh, like say right, that their right. so hands they, were clean. Yes, yeah, they asked what's his name to lie to Marie right about how long it took yeah, to yeah, boil one the eggs. Yeah, one of the Afghanimals, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oof. It's yeah, and that's and that's actually one of the things that I uh, so badly want to discuss is the role that uh, that religion plays oh, on specifically competitive reality shows because on Survivor it happens a lot too, and uh, it's just and that one especially like w- what would it look like to try to hold on to like your morality 
and play this game of deceit and treachery. Whereas I think you can actually do it on Amazing Race. Amazing I think Race, like, there's but less I think, treachery. And I feel like any time a team is particularly vocal about it, yeah, it, it like it ends up biting them in the ass. Have the Soul Surfers been? And vocal? they haven't been. I think that's yeah, why they're yeah. they haven't been the vocal. better. Yeah. There's, there's a, occasionally there's a team so dominant that they don't need to do any like the hockey players a few seasons back who are yeah. so dominant that they can be the nicest guys in the world because it yeah. doesn't matter because when it comes down to it they probably have time to stop help someone and still win a yeah. challenge but right. it's rare I mean you know who I liked is the uh, the Chippendales guys yeah they, they were, were also they were also nice guys, nice guys. yeah yeah. Not super, not a super strong. All right, team, anyway. this has gone off right. the rails. Yeah, sorry, sorry, everybody. <laughs> Sam, thank you for being here. Thank you guys for having me. Pleasure to be here. This was fun. Uh, thank you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. 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 This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.